You didn't do your intro. Well, you sang first. I didn't mm. get a chance to. I'm sorry. It's because I've had approximately three gulps of wine. Yeah, it's for the it's first full, time ever. It's full happy hour in the podcast studio. Yeah. I mean, for the first time ever on the podcast. I'm definitely a wino oh, yeah. in life. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant ever that we've had alcohol, but I was like, oh, my God, you brought the bottle of wine yeah, into the studio. I've got the entire bottle here. The entire <laughs> bottle is in, is in the podcast studio, everybody. Because I'm, I'm having a beer, but maybe I'll switch to wine next, but I don't want to get a hangover. Mm. Not ideal. Not ideal. Look, it's quite a nice drop, if I may say so. <laughs> <laughs> we should start reading them out. I feel like there's a podcast that actually does that, so we probably shouldn't. Yeah, we probably shouldn't. Yeah, it's like I feel like it's two girls talking over wine and they talk about the actual wine, like they match the wine to true crime, which seems weird to me, but... Yeah, I get what they were doing, but, like, it's very high concept. Yeah. And ours is very low concept. Ours is just, honestly, who knows what you're going to get. All Aussie. Mystery, maybe. Yeah. True... Mystery, there's no true... No. (laughs) Mystery, (laughs) maybe. Our... Never. Never. <laughs> low concept, people. That's what it you is. You know what? I think if you just go out and give people low expectations, mm. they're never going to get disappointed. No. It can only go up from here. That's true. And we haven't, you know, promised anything. We said from the start, we don't have many facts. <laughs> We're not experts. We're going to try our damn hardest, <laughs> usually. Yes. To give Occasionally. you the fact. Sometimes. <laughs> You know, yeah, I didn't. I'm doing today's, and I didn't research it very well. Well, that's shocking because you are the the researcher of this team. I'm now here admitting in the first two minutes of the podcast (laughs) that I haven't researched it very well. Turn it off now. This is going to be shit. Yeah, tune out now if you came for cold hard facts. I started it at home, so like the start of it's really well researched. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> the rest and of it, it I did at work. Goes to shit. People annoy me here at work. Yeah. <laughs> you know that they come and they ask me oh, questions. Like they I thought you were starting to just like bitch <laughs> just on the bitch podcast, and I was like, maybe don't start bitching about people <laughs> no, on the work no, podcast. People come and ask me questions. Yeah, they do. Emails, they do. and I get very distracted. Yeah, your seat. Firstly, your seat is in the worst possible spot for people to come and ask you shit. Mm. Whereas mm-hmm. mine is kind of around a corner, and a no little, one knows I'm there. It's tucked away. And then, secondly you're my boss, so therefore <laughs> there's more people bothering you about shit. Yes, that's true. So it's hard for me to research at work, I but s- I did some of this one at work. I still feel like you are going to do a great job. Mm. Um, Time will tell. The non-hour will tell. The non-hour is going to tell. Tell um, everyone what it is. It's called the shark arm case, or sometimes the shark arm murder. Um, so, you know, I love to do like local content. Yeah. Like I know it's Aussie, but I've done Newcastle where I'm from yeah. and the Central Coast where my boyfriend's from. Yeah. And now this is Coogee, which is where I currently live. Oh my God, is it Coogee? It's Coogee. Um, <gasps> Wild. I can't even remember when I first heard about this case. Yeah. But I think it was when the Coogee Pavilion was being renovated. Oh yes, I remember that. And someone said to me, oh, it used to be a zoo, which is wrong. And then I somehow found out about this case, which is fucking wild. It's so good. It's quite similar to one I've already done. You'll see why. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have an obsession with things found well, you in love the water. water. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're <laughs> obsessed with water water things. Love water mysteries. So, Coogee, it's in the eastern beaches. Yep. It's like 
a few beaches away from Bondi. Mm-hmm. It's like back in the day it was a bit more blue collar working class. Yeah. But now it's nice. Pretty nice. Literally any beach on the yeah. eastern. <laughs> any beach <laughs> now eastern, is nice. Like along the eastern coast of Sydney, the eastern coast. There's only one coast. <laughs> Lord, Mel. Well, the eastern suburbs and beyond mm. any beach, it's mm. going to cost you a bloody mm. hard dollar for anything there. Yep. Um, and if you've been to Coogee, you'll know the Coogee Pavilion. It's quite big and it has like a massive dome on the top of it, like a blue and white striped dome. Before before it was the pavilion, it was the palace. It was quite an oh my god. pub. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did Have you, you ever been? go there? Yes. Did you ever go there on a Saturday night? Yes. Upstairs to the dance floor? Yes. Ugh. Oh, my God. I went to, a, I went to many so parties bad. there, and it always smelled like fart. It, it was always like always smelled like fart. Yeah. Constantly. Kuji that... kind of does smell a bit like fart. You know that it's the local indigenous word, Kuji, yeah. means foul-smelling place? Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm really Does that? Kuji. Is there a reason for that? I think it's because it's a bay... And the seaweed gets stuck. Yes. And then it, it's really annoying in summer. Mm. My boyfriend gets really annoyed because he hates seaweed. Mm. Like personally offends him. Mm-hmm. And he'll see it all out there. He's like, it's <laughs> fucking so much. And it's so hard for it to get out because it's such yeah. a little bay. It doesn't On those big kind of beaches where it's like just a long stretch of sand, mm. it's easier for seaweed to go again. Wow. But the bay, like things get caught. Yeah. And so it kind of starts smelling. <laughs> I mean, that has nothing to do with why Coogee Palace's Coogee dance Palace. floor dance smells like floor fart smells all like the time. Fart. But, you know, a foul-smelling place. Yeah, it's just part of the spiritual area of the thing now. Yep. Everything smells like fart yep. and Coogee. Um, so it was a Coogee Palace. Justin Hems's Maryvale Group Yep. bought it in 2014. And tizzed it up into the Coogee Pavilion. So now it's pretty it's good. Like, I've got to give it gorgeous. to Justin. It yeah. looks great. He did a great. I was so excited when he bought it because mm. it used to be really, gross. There wasn't anywhere to go nah. in Coogee. And I came from Newtown, which is, I mean, I didn't grow up there, but that's where I lived beforehand. And there's so much to do. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be home really in Newtown because there's so many pubs and restaurants and there just wasn't much of a scene. I loved the beach, but I was like, where can I go and drink that's not you know, the Palace or the Coogee Bay Hotel, which isn't – they've done that up as well. Um, but it wasn't very nice. <laughs> so yeah. we were like, yes, he bought it. We were so <laughs> excited. Um, the site is really historic. So it was built back in 1887. It took up that whole block that it's on. And it had an aquarium. It had gardens. It had baths. It had a toboggan ride. It had donkeys. Yes, the I remember these pictures. It was Yeah, wild. I'll put th- some in the group because yeah. it was like – Amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, they built a big dance hall. There was a massive promenade, like a balcony, that could accommodate 3,000 people. Oh, my God. <laughs> what was wrong with – there was not even 3,000 people in Sydney I back know. then, maybe. I it's don't know. because when you look at all the old, old photos, it's like there's still all bushland everywhere. Yeah, And there's this massive place where everyone would just go and so weird. just hang out on a balcony. Um, in the early 1900s, the entertainment numbers started to decline, so shops and restaurants were added. In 1935, it was, like, not as busy. The numbers weren't as high. Was that Depression time? When did the Depression end? I don't know. The Depression was in the 20s. 20s. And the 30s. And the 30s. Yeah, 100%. Did people have money to be, no, like... No, not in the 30s. ...getting donkey rides down not, at the... Not in the 30s. No. Unless they were, like, a pence. Yes. Is a pence even a form of... A penny. Pence? <laughs> a pence. It's a penny, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't Two know. Two pence. 
I don't know. Look, Harold Holt changed it so that we could have dollars. I love him for that. <laughs> Thanks, I Harold. loved his mermaid form for that. Yeah. See, we learned things making this podcast. Learned so much. Um, okay. So it was April 18th, 1935. A local fisherman named Albert Hobson set out with his brother Charles to Coogee Bay to fish. And he landed himself an impressive three-metre-long tiger shark. And I swim in Coogee, so I'm like, That's never terrifying. come back. Yep three metre long tiger sharks. Just go away. Go away forever. I'm so scared find, of sharks. Find another beach to hang out in. I love sharks. Like I love them from afar. Oh yeah. From a very afar. Like yeah. I wouldn't even do one of those cage things. And the other night I accidentally found one of those movies mm. and it has Jessica Beale in it. And it's like Deep they, Blue Sea. No, no. Jessica Beale, not Alba. Oh. They go into this like cage and they go down into the water to hang out with the sharks. But then the the cage chain snaps and they plummet to the bottom and then they have to figure out how to get out and I didn't watch beyond the bit where they plummeted to the bottom because I was like, this is my worst fucking nightmare. I would just drown, to be honest. <laughs> I would rather die. Yeah. I wouldn't even be in there in the first place though, Jessica Beale. so yeah, jokes on you, Jessica Beale. Anyway, have you sorry, seen that was The Shallows with Blake Lively? No, because <laughs> this is the thing I do not like. I don't like shark it. Movie. It was an accidental shark movie viewing. Oh. That's really good, but yeah, you won't watch it. So I'm no never going to watch recommending it. <laughs> Other people, if you're listening, you haven't watched The Shallows. It's great. Yes. So Charles Hobson, who was in the boat, happened to own the aquarium oh. at the Coogee Palace. So since business wasn't great, he had this thing where he'd catch sharks in the local waters and then put them in a big saltwater pool in the aquarium, no. and then charge a fee for people to come oh my and stare God, at don't. them. What? <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That is bad for the environment. That is I know. bad for the shark. It's that terrible. is bad for your premises, probably. Mm. That's so insane. Like the shark couldn't even move in that. No, I know. So he was doing it for years. Back in 1917, the Sydney Morning Herald reported the Hobson brothers landed a blue pointer shark, 14 foot long. 14 foot. That's fucked. At Coogee. Coogee's in inverted commas. <laughs> Like how in the old days everything was in inverted commas. Yeah. They fixed a bait to two hooks that both of them held. The struggle to get the monster ashore lasted two hours and was watched by a great crowd of interested spectators. The shark had been seen cruising around the aquarium end of the beach <laughs> and it was about 50 yards out when it took the bait. The catch was put onto a ladder and carried to the aquarium bars where it is now on view. <laughs> <laughs> and it shouldn't be there, it the end. It shouldn't be there. But back in 1917, yeah, there were no know. animal rights. Oh, they didn't give a shit. They gave no fucks about anything. I mean, we didn't even give shits about, like, the killer whales until yeah. blackfish. Yeah. So I didn't give a shit. I'm going to tell you that right now, that until blackfish, I was like, I maybe saw Free Willy and was like, maybe give them a slightly bigger pool yeah. so their fin doesn't flip yeah. over. But other than that, by <laughs> all means, I want to see it fin. jump in the air. Yeah, it's fine. And then I saw Blackfish and I was like, look, full disclosure, I still really want to see one jump in the air and do tricks, but mm. then I'm like, my heart can't, mm. like, reckon that with its with my mind, which is like, no, they go crazy yeah. and they're very sad. They're and so then they sad. die. Then they die. Yeah, it's not a fun time. But anyway, yes, the point is I totally understand how this happened. Yeah. Um, and when they spotted this fuck-off huge one in 1935, they were like, dollar signs. <laughs> They're like, this is a big one. <laughs> They're like, look at this huge shark. Get it into the salt pool. <laughs> <laughs> so they managed somehow to haul the thing onto their boat. What the fuck? I don't know how. Who are these people? Are insane. I, <laughs> I I'm, I wish I was there. 
I know. I want to be there. Because people would have been watching. Um, they brought it to shore, they put it in a truck and drove it up to the aquarium and they put it in the pool. So it was a sight to behold. People were paying to come and gawk at it, <laughs> swim around. <laughs> Me and Josie would have been first in line. First I can tell in you line, that I know. <laughs> Paying out pence. <laughs> like several pence, Several I would give you. pence to look at this thing. So it just kind of swam around and ate fish. It was quite energetic. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything about this shark is so weird. Like I'm just like can't even figure out this, like the visual of this. I know. Um, but eight days into its residency at the Coogee Palace... Things took a turn for the worst. <gasps> worst? Worse. For the worst. Things took a turn for the worst. But you know what? Worst <laughs> works too. Let's just, whatever. Who cares? So it was the 25th of April mm-hmm. and the shark became listless. He kind of just. No. He was kind of like lolling around. He looked really sick. Aww. Spectators were still there though. They paid big money. <laughs> Stop looking at the half dead shark, guys. And then he started thrashing around oh. violently in the pool. And then he started to have a vomiting fit. I did not even know sharks could vomit. He vomited. God, did he vomit. Witnesses say (laughs) he spewed up at least two birds and a water rat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Which is gross. No, I want to see that. Yeah. but I'm going to Google sharks vomiting later. (laughs) (laughs) So that's foul, but it's not as insane as the severed human man's arm that he Uh, also vomited up. Here's the mystery. So the shark was promptly killed. Which makes me really sad. Why would they fucking kill it? They opened his tummy and no other human body parts were in there. Okay, look, as much as I'm like, that's mean. Yeah. I get it. I get it, but I've written here, congrats, cops, you killed a shark for no reason. There's nothing else in there. As we've said many times, the cops are dickheads. (laughs) But also the cops aren't dickheads. Please don't hate us if you're a cop or if you know a cop or if you are a cop or if you were a cop. We're a cop. Planning to be a cop. We love you. Don't, don't. (laughs) Arrest me. <laughs> I don't think they can. You're dickheads. <laughs> uh, I think if you say to a cop in person, you're a dickhead, yes. you can get in trouble. I think so too. Yeah. I'm going to try it. Don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want a record. Here's a thought. Don't. <laughs> um, okay. So you might be thinking that some poor bloke had been attacked by the shark and that's how the arm got to be there. But it had a rope on it, which was weird. Um, and the police, we've just trashed them, but they did do their due diligence and sent the arm off to the medical examiner. He had a look and discovered that it had been removed from the man's body with a sharp instrument, oh. not by shark teeth. Yeah, because sharks don't fucking kill people really many times. They just... No. Only if they think that you look like a kind of if you get in their way and mm-hmm. they think you're a seal. And it hadn't been removed in a precise surgical medical way either. Okay. Um so, this is another gross thing. The gastric juices of sharks are quite strong. Oh. So, the doc could kind of use that to estimate when mm. it had been swallowed. So, he put it to 8 to 14 days oh, being okay. in the stomach. The arm was still in good enough nick that they could recognise a tattoo on oh, the arm. wow. A 20 centimetre tattoo of two boxes facing off. Mm. I have a photo of it. Oh. Ooh. Put it in the group. Um, So this is, it's actually so gross, this whole case, because it was 1935. There wasn't a lot of forensic science around yet. So what they had to do was somehow cut the skin off the hand, like pull it off. I've Mm. kind of heard of this happening. So they kind of remove the top layer of skin and then someone puts that on like a human glove. Oh. And that's how they make the fingerprint. Oh. 
thing. Ooh. How fucked is that? Lucky. I don't want to be the person that has that No, job. I don't want to put the human glove on. Thanks. No, no one made me put the human glove on. <laughs> <laughs> so they did that. Um, but they also put a photo of the tattoo in the paper and a man came forward, a man called Edwin Smith, mm-hmm. and he said, that's my brother's tattoo. <gasps> Whoa. And then they looked at the fingerprints and they had his fingerprints on file. His name was Jim Smith mm-hmm. and he was a bit of a naughty boy. So uh. his fingerprints were on file and they matched, which is so wild for 1935. I, that's that kind of forensic I don't know. Know how. <laughs> I just feel like I thought of the 30s and I thought that they were basically cavemen. Yeah. So and I was like, like, you don't know anything. Fumbling around. Yeah, they'd just be like, oh, an arm. Let's just head on around to the townspeople and ask around yeah. to see if they've, let's just take this like half rotting arm <laughs> and just be like, have you seen the owner of this arm? Do you know anything about this? Yeah. Like, or they'd just be I like, oh, the shark bit the arm off, bye. Yeah, like, oh, sharks are crazy because, mm. I mean, look, it's not that weird that we think this because they were still in that whole thing where they were like, you know, when they had like the brain, I just always remember that brain like drawing thing and like one flew over the cuckoo's nest and it was all like, if you take this part of the brain out, oh, then everything yeah. is fine. Um, and like, What's that called? Oh, like phrenology? A, lobot- a lobotomy. Yeah, and it's phrenology, I think, is the... Science, science of it, but it was like this really archaic thing. Yeah, it was like, we'll just cut and then they did that out. with like that was also that like still was going on beyond like the thirties in Australia with the indigenous people, and they would had decided that their brain was like they're like yeah. everyone that is indigenous's brain is is weird and bad. Yeah. And it was like no, what we're all human, we all have the <laughs> same so brain, like, idiots. What the fuck? Yeah, they were so, very yeah. backwards. In short, it wouldn't surprise me if they were just dumb. But they weren't they weren't. in this case. They fucking figured out who this was. Um, so, yes, he was a bit of a dodgy guy. Um, he was involved in insurance fraud, illegal gambling and drug trafficking. Ah. He was also a police informant, Ooh. which they didn't reveal until years later, and that comes into play. Um, so they retraced Smith's last movements, and they found out that he'd last been seen drinking on April the 8th at the Cecil Hotel in Cronulla, which, as we know, is another coastal area south, quite quite a bit south of Coogee, with a friend and fellow criminal called Patrick Brady. Brady was a master forger and the cops knew of him as well. The pair left together, apparently going back to Brady's house, and Smith was never seen alive, and I've written, or intact. <laughs> God. <laughs> Ever again. Brady's cottage was in Gunamata Bay. I don't know how to say that. Yeah. Gunamata. Gunamata. Mm. He was renting it. The owner later told detectives that a mattress and a metal trunk had been replaced and the walls were cleaned and a rowing boat appeared to have been scrubbed. Oh, that sounds dodgy. Very dodgy. A cab driver also came forward during investigations to say that the morning after the pub session, so April 9th, he gave Brady a ride from Cronulla to North Sydney he provided detectives with the address where he dropped him off. He said that Brady looked nervous and was carrying a small leather bag. So the house belonged to Reginald Holmes, a well-to-do boat builder. On the surface, he seemed like a legit guy, but he was super dodgy as well. Everyone was dodgy. <laughs> Everyone was dodgy in the 30s. Everyone in the 30s was dodgy. It was real, like, gangland time. Yeah, fully. It was Did like, you watch was it, like, Underbelly? Taylor yes. and stuff? It was like um, Underbelly Razor. Oh, my God, I loved Underbelly yeah. Razor. It was all that stuff, I think. Yeah, with like all the like moonshine yes, and the like. and like all that. Illegal Darlinghurst and, and like King's Cross. Yes. And there were like gang wars and stuff. 
So these guys were involved in all of that. So Holmes was connected to Smith, the dead man, through a couple of insurance fraud schemes. Um, It seemed like Smith had kind of been the guy that did his dirty work. So in Mm -hmm. one of the cases, he was seen rowing a boat away from a yacht that Holmes owned um, that was like suddenly on fire. Mm. (laughs) And then he claimed claimed insurance on that yacht and was like trying to be dodgy. So Brady became the prime suspect, um, but when police questioned him, he re- he just remained silent. Like he did not. He said literally no words. Wow. So then they questioned Holmes. Uh, he denied knowing either of the men, even though he had those links to Smith. Yeah. And Brady went to his house on April the ninth. So in an effort to get Brady to talk, police arrested him on May the nineteenth, hoping it would like make him finally crack and say something. But it actually spurred on another event. The next day on May 20, Holmes drove his speedboat from Lavender Bay into Sydney Harbour where he stopped the boat, took out a pistol and attempted to shoot himself. Oh. The bullet, this story is fucking wild. Like this whole case is just crazy. Like you could not make this up. So the bullet didn't penetrate his skull. What? So he just fell backwards like he kind of like passed out. Yeah. It hit him. Like Yeah. He fell back into the water. A rope around his arm stopped him from drowning, mm-hmm. and the cold water revived him. And then he crawled back into the boat. But someone had seen things happening, alerted the water police, and said, allegedly, you won't mistake him. He has a bullet hole in his forehead. Oh, my God. <laughs> a wild story. Yeah, so then cops chased him around for four hours around the harbour. He went up to Circular Quay where there was all of the mid-morning ferry traffic. Yeah. Which I think was probably more frequent. Absolutely would have been more frequent back then. um, And he was, like, darting in and out of the boats and the cops were, like, chasing around. He had blood all over his face. Oh, my God, this is so wild. And a bullet hole in his head. He was finally captured near Sydney Heads. Apparently, according to these police, when he was captured, he said, Jimmy Smith is dead and there is only another left. If you leave me until tonight, I will finish him. (laughs) Mate, it's the cops. And we're yeah. just going to be like... Don't tell the cops that. Oh, okay, we'll let you go. You go and kill... Yeah, go like, get the other one. Bra- but is he talking about Brady? Because Brady was in jail. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, there was an empty bottle of brandy on the boat. So it was clearly <laughs> off his face. Yeah. Um, once he was arrested, he finally came clean on his connection to Brady and spilled all sorts of tea I've written here. So he Holmes told police that Smith and Brady had been blackmailing him for some time. And on April 9, Brady had arrived at his house showing him Smith's severed arm in a brown bag. Oh, whoa. He said Brady had later thrown the arm into the sea at Maroubra Beach, Mm. which makes sense because it's literally the next Mm -hmm. beach down from Coogee. He agreed to give evidence against Brady in an inquest scheduled for the 12th of June. But I told you this is a crazy fucking story, Mm -hmm. didn't I? Mm -hmm. At 1.20am on that day, Holmes was found slumped over the wheel of his car in the docks of Dawes Point, like Miller's Point area, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. the, the rocks, with three gunshot wounds in his <gasps> chest. Dead. Oh, my God. The the morning of. That is some... Yeah. So without Holmes's testimony, the case against Brady ended up being dismissed. So they did go to trial, but there was just no evidence. Yeah. And there wasn't even a body. Yeah. So they couldn't actually prove Smith was even dead, yeah. let alone convict someone of his murder. So Brady walked from court in September 1935 a free man, continuing to protest his innocence for 30 years until his death in 1965. Wow. Like he died in hospital. Yeah. 
some kind of illness. So a historian called Professor Alex Castles looked into the case and actually wrote a book called The Shark Arm Murders. It became a bestseller back in 1995. There you go. I'd read it. Yeah, and he doesn't think that Brady actually killed oh, Smith. Oh, really? He um, made the point that Smith was a police informant and had knocked on a bloke called Alex Wayman, who was apparently really bad news. So he was a bank robber and he was caught red-handed after Smith ratted him out to the cops. He was a notorious criminal, big part of the gangland scene that we were talking about, um, and yes, he was bad news. So Castles actually thinks he was responsible um, for the death of Holmes, oh. the shooting death. And he said there was little linking Brady to the death of Smith, aside from Holmes's testimony. And he thinks it was all some scheme and someone else was involved, like yeah. telling him to say all of that stuff happened. Yeah. With the bag and everything else. Um, he made the point, the Professor Castles made the point that Smith and Brady were great mates and there was no motive for Brady to kill Smith. Like they were actually in cahoots a lot of the time. And he also said it would be hard for Brady, who was quite small, to overpower Smith, who was a, a former boxer yeah, and in great shape. Hence the boxing Hence tattoo. Hence the boxing <laughs> tattoo. Um, another theory, wild theory, that I read is that Holmes actually ordered the hit on himself. What? Because remember he tried to kill himself? Yeah, true. So he actually got 500 pounds out the afternoon before his murder. Yeah. And no trace of that money has ever been recovered. So you think he paid someone. Uh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. To kill him so that he could just avoid all of this crap, didn't have to testify. It just seems weird to pay someone to kill yeah. you. You could just kill yourself. Well, he tried that. It didn't work, did it? Do it again. <laughs> so they actually pulled the bullet. It was like a soft nose bullet, it's called. Yeah. Out of his head and he was in hospital That's under so insane. watch for a few weeks. And then when he was out of hospital, he had to like yeah. testify and everything. It's so crazy. <laughs> so insane. So there, like, that's the theory. That's the case. But no one was ever charged. Yeah. Well, with Smith's I mean, murder and the rest of Smith wasn't found. They think he might be in a metal trunk. <gasps> so there's some theory that like the arm was kind of tied to it. Whoa. And then the rest of the body was in this metal trunk. So, like, the arm was, like, floating above yeah. the front. That is so grim. Which is super weird. Um, and he could still be down there. Oh, my God. Someone go trunk. down and find him. In Maroubra. In Maroubra. Yeah, of course. Not in Coogee. Yeah. Go and find him in Maroubra. But then somehow the arm, like, maybe the shark was like, whoop, I see an arm. I'm going to grab that. Yeah. I mean, And then he swam along to Coogee and that's where the blokes. But then I guess if old mate through the arm in the water. Mm. It's weird. Yeah, like I feel like the body is either elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, is Smith still alive? Well, he's not alive now. What? Yeah. <laughs> Did he fake his death to like... Well, that's a cool yeah. theory because if he's like in all cahoots with the other dude, yeah. I've forgotten everyone's names. Like yeah, I've got their everyone's names. Everyone's got really but it's bland like a lot, names. There were so a lot of Jim names. Smith's the dead man. Yes. Patrick Brady's the friend. Yes. That Reg Holmes yes. said came to his house with the arm and yes. all this stuff. But that was the only And Brady then testimony. was going to testify and then he was found dead at one in the morning. Holmes the day was going to. And then Brady got let off. Because, oh, wait. Oh, yes. Yeah. Holmes was going to. Then Brady yeah. got let off because yeah. Holmes was found dead. Yeah. And there was then no nothing tying yes. him to it. Wow. Okay. That was where the confusion happened. Yeah. So, I mean, if Jim's in cahoots with Brady and shit's going bad. mm 
it would make sense to potentially fake, fake your own death. Yeah. But then I would think then that Brady would know of it because if he had the arm. And also cutting off your entire fucking arm is really grim. It is, but like if But they're also someone, gangsters. Wayman, they love doing that Alex shit. Wayman. Alex Wayman. Yeah, Alex Wayman. The really dodgy robber. Yes. Might have been after Jim Smith. So this whole thing might have been cooked up by Brady and Jim Smith. Yes. I'm going to cut my arm off and chuck it. But then how would they know that the shark would pick it up? Yeah, true. It could just never yeah. get picked up. So that seemed, or maybe they literally like. Well, unless it's why he went to Holmes and was like, yes, I've got the, the arm. arm, you know. I've got the arm and if you don't do this, I'm going to fucking, I don't know. It's weird. It's so weird. And it never got solved because I really wanted to do it and I was like, oh, but it's not a mystery because they figured out who he was. Yeah, but they did it. And they figured out who did it, I thought. I don't think it's Brady. I don't, why would you kill your friend? Well, also it just doesn't. Like, it doesn't feel like there was enough riding for him to want to kill his friend. Mm, exactly. Like, I'm, I just feel like someone else has done it. The only thing I could think if Brady did it was if someone else paid him money, mm. a significant amount, to be like, off your friend. Mm. And they're all fucking dodgy, all of them. Yeah. Oh, no loyalty Even in that crowd. Even the blokes in the fucking boat and were like, let's put this shark in our Everyone, swimming pool. Everyone was dodgy in this story. Everyone in Coogee and Maroubra <laughs> and Cronulla are dodgy. In the in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Also, Holmes, he lived in Lavender Bay. Dodgy. Dodgy. Yep. Why is Lavender Bay dodgy? Because he's dodgy. Oh, so just everyone, so Lavender yeah. Bay is also dodgy because yep, he's yep. he was there. Okay, gotcha. So um, they're all dodgy. I definitely don't believe the theory that he paid someone to kill him. That yeah, just that's seems weird. useless. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like, look, this is the thing with the gangland stuff and, yeah. like, we talked about with Rackman as well, is yeah. it's like that shit is so underground and you they've got never... people who will pay people who will pay people to yeah. do shit. And you I'm saying this of... like I know yeah, I actually have like... no idea. <laughs> and you look so kind of weary. You're like, oh, yeah. guys, you know, <laughs> they, you just kind of look like you've looked at this stuff for years. Like you're a gangs. grizzled old detective. Like You've seen it all. A sage <laughs> a sage crime reporter or something. <laughs> I just know. The fucking gangs. <laughs> do my head in. No, but you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, like, you can, they can make it very hard to figure out who did this ever. Like, yeah. That's the whole point. That they can pay people to, like you said, to pay people to pay people and it can't ever be connected to them. Yeah. Because people will do a lot of things for money. Yeah, it's true. And especially <laughs> now I've said that, like, in yeah. my time. People will do lots of things for money. As a grizzled Zips police wine. detective. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, this story so fucking crazy. Like, yes. from start to finish. Yes. Like, a shark vomited up an arm and yeah. then it continues on. Like, and then it just, not only is it, it just like a Because I think in any other, like, normally you would think, okay, sh- shark that has been put into viewing pool while mm. its arm, mm. that's wild enough. Mm-hmm. Then the arm usually would end up just being like the arm of someone who drowned at sea or like yeah. the arm of like a dead body, like yeah. more not a dumped known, in the ocean or a something. known criminal. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, it's terrible for Jim Smith if he really did die. <laughs> yeah. But I just love this story. Yeah. And it happened in my hood. In your hood. That's why it's the best. Good um, stories are the best. Yeah. So that's shark arm. What a little spicy yarn. But see how it is a bit similar to Rackman? It is, yeah. But I suppose. <laughs> love me a mysteriously dumped body <laughs> love a mysterious in a body dump- of water. <laughs> yeah. 
with gangland ties, <laughs> dodgy dealings, gambling, drug running. Yeah. Just it's all just, that shit, put it together basically and the same package thing, it up for Josie. But like 60 years later. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah, I suppose. But except we don't really know how his arm got in there and no. whether he was kept alive or whether his body was dumped in the water as well. But yes. I love it. Love it. I love it. That's, That's my take. I, I love it. it. What a good time. Um, any final thoughts? Um, if anyone else has been to the palace and can tell us how much it smells like fart in that yes. dance room, in that dance yeah. floor, <laughs> hit us up. <laughs> yes. I want validation for my theory. We're not the only ones that think this. Because no one's going to know someone that knew the shark up. No, we? it's too old. <laughs> we need to go with the new mystery of why did the palace smell like fart yes. all the time. Well, season two. We'll cover that. <laughs> Season two, first investigation, <laughs> Coogee Palace circa 2012. Why yeah. did the dance floor smell Why like fart? Did it smells so much like farts. Yeah. Anyway, that's us done. Bye. Bye.